California. It's a gold rush out there. In fact, we've made several predictions Don, Don, about how everything. Done. Stop. This isn't necessary. Jim, would you let him finish? Can you give us a minute? Yes, absolutely. Do you want this? No. This is $275,000 in profit, all cost covered, that you don't have to lift a finger to earn. Don, sit down, please. Welcome to the end of Mad Men on the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This week we are discussing the 11th episode of season 7 of Mad Men. Uh, it is called Time and Life. It was written by Aaron Levy and Matt Weiner, and it was directed by Jared Harris, who played Lane Price. Uh, last you saw him, he was in the passenger seat of a Jaguar. Oh, <laughs> No, the last you saw him, he was hanging off his office door. Oh, even worse. Yeah. 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 Sorry. He couldn't kill himself with the Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, no. Start. Yeah, the last <laughs> we saw. But he's back behind the camera. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I I don't know. Do you, do you guys know the story behind that at all? I, I don't. I imagine he just asked to direct an episode. Yeah. That seems like what happens. But it's, it's cool. John yeah, Hammond's John, directed an episode. Yeah, John, John Hammond's directed. directed maybe a couple. Yeah, it's yeah. cool to see this guy back involved in the show in any capacity for its final episodes, mm-hmm. even if it's to direct an episode. What's yeah. funny is, this. just to jump right in, is I thought this episode had some of them. Um, not as much as the first episode of the new, of of season seven, part two. But this had some of the boldest direction. It was really adeptly put together. I yeah, yeah, it had some very, like, very, I want to say heavy-handed, because I don't think it was heavy-handed, but very thumbprint of the director, of the camera, yeah, for sure. on like, the scene. Composition forward, yeah. style yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. yeah, like the early reveal of Pete Campbell sitting at the table, waiting, like, uh, I think the waiter is standing there, and then Ken Cosgrove is sitting to the right of frame, and then... The waiter moves, and it's just a perfect reveal of Pete waiting for Don yeah, to show I remember that. that was it's just it had like the direct, the direction actually gave me the punch where I was like, huh, you know, yeah. I had that little moment. And that, I mean, all over the episode, there was like the five of them sitting at the table, mm-hmm. yep. not to get too far into the thing, cutting but, right to the five of them in the bar. Yeah, yeah, yep. lots of strong direction. Just the last shot episode. of the episode was good. How do you mm-hmm. think this episode was described, Jake? I could not guess because it is inscrutable. Um, Chris, what's the official description? Hold on, let's. We should. We should. Oh, take let's, a let's take guess. a guess. Let's take a guess. Oh, that's true. Um, let's see here. <laughs> uh, like Don and Roger try to, <laughs> try to save their lives. Peggy and Stan work out their differences. Joan is worried. <laughs> Joan is concerned. Yeah, man. What's the real one? This is it's you never can tell. Uh so in uh, in this episode, Don comes up with a big idea. Roger <laughs> asks Joan for help with a clerical error, and Peggy has a hard time with casting for a commercial. Oh man. Oh my gosh. This is the description that is the of cheekiest the, one of all of them. It really far. is. This is the this is the actual sincere description of the show that's actually about an ad agency. That's actually just about people who right, run that right. agency. This is episode 210 of like a 15 year run of called like the agency. Right. right. Like just from like, the 80s. like just yeah. cheers, but in it's ads. A, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my goodness. A clerical error, which is actually a head fake because it wasn't a clerical error. The yeah. The way this story goes. So mm-hmm. in the early beginning yeah. of the episode, when they get the, um, 
the letter comes across uh Roger's desk that their rent has not been paid. Yeah. And they're they're in violation of their lease agreement. I was so sad when he just said you're all fired. <laughs> it really yeah. bummed me out. He's he's he does that all the time though. And right. he's like that's equally yeah. equally when Joan is like, that's not actually what's happening. He's just, it's just as easy for him to be like, oh, never mind then. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's these, this we is so, jobs. all of this is so beneath his like active concern. It's, it's, he, he plays that really well. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go off on that point a little bit to tie that into the larger theme of the episode, because I feel like, well, first of all, what did you guys think of this episode? Because I thought it was, I think everyone kind of agreed this was one of the most entertaining of the of this season. Well, this is also sort of yeah. So this far. is the trajectory defining episode yes, for the end of is, for the end of the show, at least from absolutely. a plot standpoint. And it had everything yeah. you wanted. It mm-hmm. had everything you wanted from a good Mad Men episode, which was stuff happening in the agency, lots of um, meaty about the the core cast, emotional bits, mm-hmm. and then all five lots of, of the partners on moments. Fr- together. Yeah, yeah, people on yeah big people in frame yep multi-characters and all of stuff. the all of the sort of dynamic abc yeah. plots and like abc emotional arcs all really dovetail in and out of each other really well over the course mm-hmm. of the episode i feel like yes where, more so than in recent ones yeah people's small life moments really informed the huge sort mm-hmm. of world shifting decisions that happen over the course of the episode too in a way that was good yeah and i and like r- related to what we were talking about a moment ago that i was mentioning um this episode really felt to me like the crystallization of what we were saying a couple of weeks ago about um, Don trying to reckon with what what has this been for? Like, what does this mean? I mean, this is the episode that really lays that out and makes each character's place in that question plain and like very different. Mm-hmm. Because you know what I part of what I was saying about Roger him being so easy for him to sort of float above these like what to him are minor material concerns, but to the people he is addressing are like their entire livelihood. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, Roger is sort of of the patrician class. Like he's, I'm sure bummed that this is happening. You can tell, but also he was born into privilege and he will continue to exist in it it in a way that allows him to totally float above this stuff. But a lot of the other characters like Peggy and Don, um, they need something to leave behind because they only have defined themselves. Like they don't have, the sort of class um, uh, or like life, any, nothing at home. Like there's nothing surrounding them, be it like their kind of position in society, nor a family life they've constructed for themselves, nor because they're in advertising public work with their name on it that anyone knows. So like all they have is this like company and this work. And so that is why they are so desperate to somehow prolong that legacy, even though it's clearly, I think ending. that I think that Roger. I mean, you're right to a point, but because I, I I started off by saying I feel like sort he's of more multifaceted than you're giving. I was going to say sort of sarcastically the thing that he well, cared I mean, about I'm was not... having an office and having his name on the building or his name on the company. But at the same time, when you're like, what is like he walks away as a person who's been rich his whole life and who has the legacy of this company or whatever. But at the same time, he still has to be legitimately sad that the way that his legacy is going to go out is by being consumed Absorbed. by a conglomerate i'm sure he is but yeah. when you look at the way he and don part in the bar he's like well anyway time to go hang well, out with roger's also a person who's like defined yeah. by just bouncing back like he just yeah, roger's he, like ah it's the way it goes like he doesn't sink right. into well, shitty things that happen about in his life. link last week as someone who listened to the podcast you guys talked about like what 
is important to Don because vis-a-vis his completely constructed persona. Like he invented himself literally from name on, you know, and I feel like obviously that makes him and Roger completely different. Yes. In terms of like what they have at stake in an absorption of their jobs, like Roger's work life balances and the way he defines himself is only partial by SD or Sterling Cooper. P S P S C and P. I think it is now. Yeah. Not for long. But uh, what was I going to say? Um, man, I don't mean. By the way, I don't mean he has no investment. I just mean he can continue to coast in a way some of these people. Yeah. Well, Roger Sterling will just be Roger Sterling forever. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty self-evident. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. Jesus, Chris. I just. I mean, it's it may be self-evident in a literal sense, but I'm saying my point is not that that is literally true it is that i think that is what this episode was about yeah i mean i think that's yeah obviously um i mean even down to the name of the episode which is what you said the tie to the building that they're in time right. and life yeah like it's getting pretty obvious of what the whole sort of like swan song of this song is about which i like um i liked the scene very much with jim what's his face the guy who runs oh McCann. um I can't remember. God, what a great yeah. cast he is. A I know. Casting choice he yeah, is. Just true. like yep. old rich puppeteer mm-hmm. man. Yeah. <laughs> like, so good. Like that is a He's, CEO. He does like, to Roger just, what Roger does to the secretaries. Right. Essentially. I mean, he does to all of them, but like it's notable because Roger just did it to other people. Just this like, this is what's happening. I'm very calm about it because I am fully serene in this because to me it is written. Like well, it is he is in, like it in is, control. Yeah. He is like yes. the pure, like there's an aura of CEO-ness at a mm-hmm. Fortune 500 level that is just so well captured by that actor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and he's also operating from the position where it's like, well, of course you guys should like, sorry that it came down a right. little bit freaky, but once you, once you hear me tell you everything about it, you'll understand that it is obviously the best thing that could ever happen to any of your lives. This is like, that was just, my favorite scene of yeah. like many mm-hmm. episodes. It was really good. Just watching them all react to this thing that they were powerless to mm-hmm. react to, to control. Yep. Um, and just sort of, I mean, it was surreal. The scene felt almost like, like, well, because it's, it's like, like, a the devil came down to Georgia, like, you're going to learn, you know what I mean? Like, well, because, deal with the because devil. Because they lead up to yeah. it in this way that they've done, what, twice before, which is the total, like, heist sequence where it's like, Don's got the idea now, and they're going to piece it all together, and like the music kicks in. Right, and, like, Pete comes in at the last second. Like, he's like, it's like, I got that last got company. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, right. Oh, good. You know, it's, everything is like slotting into place, slotting into place, and then Don goes to like give the big pitch that's going to make it happen, like it always does. And, and then even just gets the first card turned to, around. Uh, it's yeah. just oh. such a dead room, man. And it just, yep. yeah. Oh, it was perfect. And just sort of like, you could tell they struck such a nice tone with the prop of the card that he turns around and it says Sterling Cooper West, a division of McCann mm-hmm. or, whatever, or McCann, McCann West. Company. Or, yeah, a McCann company. Just everything was just correct. Obviously, a ton of effort was put in, but was off base. You're just like, the, that is not what they're oh, going to want to hear. You just ooh, know the moment that that sign yep. comes around, you're like, oh, no, oh, oh, yeah. it looks good, but it's not happening. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think my favorite moment was Jim looking at Don and just like lasciviously saying Coca-Cola. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. God, yeah, that was yeah. my favorite moment of the episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because it just met into my brain. Like, how did that, how does that, you see the Don Draper that we all know just 
start to twist and turn and pull. Right, and envision like, himself making the next big Coca-Cola campaign, but also what right. the fuck does any of this mean? Also, yeah. what is my life? Right, yeah, yeah you think about the, the Don s- Draper who got fired over Hershey and now just being offered Coca-Cola carte blanche, but also the complete insane trajectory that he went on between Hershey and now is like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> there were so many lines in this episode that were almost... I, we kind of used Dreamlike early on in the, when we were the first episode of the podcast, but this had a like afterlifeness to it. That well, the was, guy even straight up said you yeah, died, you died, died in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But there were maybe lines that were died. just of a different like corporeal plane. Yeah, for me everything's in this just episode. coming. Weird. This whole this whole season though has been yeah, just this weird. This, it's this just everything's sure. kind of coming untethered from itself yeah. and drifting mm-hmm. apart, and not yeah. not in a physical way. Although I'm sure, although now, kind of also in a physical way, in the sense that like we went the entire last episode without Diana, and then now she's back through these like weird, cryptic, shouldn't have been delivered phone messages. Don goes to where she lives, and there's just different people living there. Like he's literally <laughs> untethered. Yeah. I know. Those ways. <laughs> Did anybody for half a second be like? I thought he was going to go. Have, oh, Don's going to have a drink with these I kids. Totally <laughs> thought yeah, they're like, you want a drink? Don was just like, what yeah. have I got going on? And they're going to close the door. Perfect. You want another drink? Yeah. yeah. Want another drink? Oh, yeah, that's true. They did ask starting yeah. by saying another drink. Yeah. 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 Even just the eye lines in that scene were so good. The guy sitting on the bed being like, hot man at the door. And the man at the door being like, come on, what? Like the jealousy right. eye lines that had already, like in two seconds of it. Yeah. Oh, classic. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That scene. That's a good example of just a Mad Men micro scene that's just potent as hell. For 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 what? Just and to be the good. The lines were all really basic, you know. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't live anymore. Did she leave a pouring address? Nope. All right. Yeah. Well, guess that's that. Also, she left her furniture. Yeah, she left her furniture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> which they were instructed to sell, which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of? Anybody who wasn't Don in this episode, like, what do you feel about well, Pete? I, Actually, the Pete. We should talk about Pete and his wife. I thought that's all that stuff was yeah, really that was, great. That was nice. Yeah, that I was. was gonna, so, I was trying okay. to get to Pete. That's, I was that's to get also to that scene. that's also related to what I was talking about earlier. That's why I think that that the sort of like class division stuff is actually a fairly central theme in this episode because we of, of how much time was dedicated to Pete and Trudy and their confounded expectations for how it works to be a member of the class that they are. Um, well, which, they've always kind of been halfway falling out of that class, though, right? I mean, they they have money, but like they don't—they're old money, but, but they're their, old, yeah, their they're divorce old. is the one thing that is yes, sort of their like divorce, separates them yes, their divorce, like couple. Yeah. They, br- they broke the rules essentially with that, and and we think that like the thing that was so great, I think, about the school scene is that we think that that uh, what is it, Tammy isn't getting into the school because they broke the rules of old money society or because their influence is falling over. Nope. It's not that it's actually the whims of an even older old money. Fucking, yep. like, <laughs> the king ordered the it. The king ordered it. Like <laughs> yep. it's, they're actually so stupid, like clan battle in that. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. so no sucker punch from a camel into these like historical destiny <laughs> legacy things that it's like, and I love that Pete launches, right? Like he doesn't miss a beat and be like, wait, that, what do you th- Oh right, no! It's, it's instantly. Like, oh, yeah, and another thing, like yeah. it's just, yeah, he yeah. brought the, he brought that into the room with him, being yeah. like, "Well, this is the man that like." I don't know if he did, ago. I, I didn't know if he did or not, but <laughs> but it was he had access. He had yeah, ready access. It was yeah, it was not in deep it storage in his, his brain. It was, it was like, brain. "Oh, that's what this is." Okay, we're good. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, and then the, then that like his engagement in that world is what kind of makes Trudy like 
give them give them eyes, you know, like when they that's yeah they reconnect they, because, over that yeah because this like, is the oh, thing we are they, old money yes it is a thing yeah. they genuinely share it uh-huh. is the thing they actually share and when they are both together like doing battle in that context. That's when they. So they could be like their power couple, right. old money self. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love that that scene started with she was deficient at drawing a man. <laughs> the draw a man test. I know. I looked that up, and it was a real thing. Yeah, she just drew a head with a necktie and a, and mustache. a mustache and a mustache. <laughs> I hear they drew anything more than a stick figure. That's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That whole God, thing was draw good. A man. That scene. That scene escalating I, I, by zigzagging in all I the ways that it I did. I heard that good. wrong until I looked it up. I was so confused. Oh no, that's what it I is. I thought he was saying like draw like a name after a person like drawman or something you know like no drawman like draw German test. name or yeah something. exactly like, like yeah. some sort of aptitude test <laughs> nope, nope nope draw a man <laughs> yeah anyway. that so i think the other most significant kind of emotional punch in this episode i mean more so probably than pete and trudy was peggy um this was the f- to my memory anyway this was the first time she has directly addressed yeah, that, her, like giving that, her child up. That for baby has been backburned for so long. It was okay. Like multiple. It seasons. was interesting. I feel like Peggy's first real big scene in this episode started with her and Pete talking, and that was immediately. Yeah, it was weird to see them together. It was just on like terms. Pete is the father of her kid. He raped her in season one. Like that is never talked about right. ever, ever, ever. And they're doing. They're having all these weird social interactions that kind of. They weren't talking about the kids thing because that was that was Peggy and Stan who were in the right. kids thing. But uh-huh. then her meeting with Pete was not about anything other than we're professional couples. But it just yeah. wedged in with all this other stuff. It was in- it was also so well directed that it just so if you remember, you talking the, about Pete and and Peggy still? Pete and Peggy yeah. scene. So Peggy is out on the floor um, trying to deal with the casting thing, and Pete's in the doorway, uh, and. A little girl runs up to Peggy and throws her arms around her, putting her head like right on her belly. Yep. (laughs) And then Pete just goes, Peggy, can I talk to you right now? Yeah. Very important. While she's clutching a child who would be the exact age of the child that she gave up. I completely forgot about that. That was what I was thinking of. Just like, this is their kid. And like Pete, I don't think, has any idea that she became pregnant from that, that she had a kid. They never talked about it, did they? I don't don't remember them talking about it. As far as Pete's concerned, I don't think he has any connection to Peggy other than they had sex one time in the office. But I don't remember. Oof, I can't recall. I can't recall either. But mm, I think it's more textured than that. But yeah, it's but not yeah, like total oblivion. You're sitting there. No, but he's just com- talking about the fact of him knowing that or not. Yeah, I don't yeah. think. I think. I don't think those two ever had a direct conversation where Peggy said, "I was pregnant and I had a kid and I adopt gave it up for adoption." Like I don't think Pete knows that he has a child wandering around in the world. Yeah, that is unclaimed. God, which then Stan like makes a joke about, like. Which is what triggers the whole yeah. Thing, when Stan's like, not that, that I know about. about. But like everybody, you know, like gets a classic guy, right? But thing that's, you've heard, but it was perfect, of yeah. course. But it's but it's the reason it's so perfect is because of Peggy's whole thing about like a man gets to to make that mistake right. and a woman doesn't. Like you know, it's like a classic guy thing, but also it like speaks to a huge mm-hmm. difference between what what people have like what men and women have to sort of like internalize or deal with or take responsibility for. Um, and I like that Stan kind of whipped himself into shape after he realized like how much he put his foot in his mouth. Like mm-hmm. he, I don't know. I, Stan I sort of grows up his relationship with yeah. Peggy in a way that was yes. really respectable. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. cause I he, he stands yeah. a really respectable guy in general, like in, in the show. I feel like he gets there. Like, I yeah. feel like he's got like a, a high ceiling for like growth and actualization. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Unlike a lot of the characters. In the yeah. Show. I agree. I think he's a little more self-aware than a lot of them. 
They're just going for it, though. They're just like, don't cut your hair. Don't cut the beard. The cravats will get bigger. The pants will get wider. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. We got a whole season of clothes for you. Stan has just <laughs> been like sassing it up on like, He's a, like, really? on, like a, on a meteoric trim. arc I since like, like season five. This. Nope. No. Don't trim anything. You look like the cowardly lion. We love it. Look at this cravat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah. The denim on denim with the um like navajo the like cream navajo belt yep oh so good <laughs> so strong top two favorite outfits of the season thus far was that outfit on him and then peggy uh uh when betty had like the popped collar sh- like cut off like blouse that was the 70s to the max yep top two outfits very good. Yeah. Well, Don also had a very nice blue suit in this episode. Oh, that's true. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. That was Don's marketing suit for this season. What do you mean? Oh, like the EW photo shoots oh, and really? stuff. Oh, oh, oh. oh. And that's like his. That's his canonical up. outfit for season seven point five. Right. Hmm. They do a really good job of like. It's it's got to be kind of hard to dress. Sorry, I don't know what we're talking about the clothes. But no, I guess it's important. It's worth yeah. talking about. Why not? Um, it's got to be kind of hard to strike the right tone with Don's clothing in that. He doesn't waver very much. He doesn't really. He only yeah. wears the same he, types seems, of things. But he, you want the seventies to sort of creep yeah. in. He buys but, what is available and probably recommended to him. That still is the thing that most closely can suit his taste right. of still dressing like it's the late fifties. Like that blue suit of, would like, not have been worn in nineteen sixty-seven, but would mm-hmm. be worn. In, right? Yeah. You feel like Don still always wants to be wearing a hat. Yeah. Even though no one is wearing a the hat. Short, oh, exactly. Well, I yeah. think really Don. Good. I think yeah. Don actually has. I think Don is the type of guy who has an intuitive sense of when you cross the year boundary that something is like fashionable enough, but still essentially conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, whereas like Roger like, will just, Oh yeah. Roger in. will jump into it for sure. Which, Roger's yeah. got that mustache. Don that is mustache. not, Don's going to oh, probably man. ride out one of the, the need for that mustache. Yeah, He's one of the great things through one of the great things mustaches. about that. I loved about the scene with Don and Roger in the bar. One, it was just nice because Ro- Don and Roger, like despite the like enormous differences they have in what their life has been and what it kind of is still um they have that's just like very clear camaraderie that in part just comes out of being like senior guys at a mm-hmm. place like this and they're on each other's level but they've also also been at it together for a long time um what's funny is of all the relationships in the show don and roger feels the most um like uh immovable like feels the most solid whatever that relationship well, it's, is it's not actually, that it's the closest not that it's the right. most important it's also it we know this because it's been tested in the most yeah co- yeah co- concrete way like when it when the actual when the shit hits the fan like roger ultimately came through for don you know well, in, in, in a way roger that we could and, see like, on the screen don's relationship with roger is also kind of his foundational relationship to his existence mm-hmm, right for sure i mean yeah roger picked him out of a Fur store. Yeah, Roger's the one who hired him and sort of enabled Don Draper to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you think um, it's going to work but, out with Roger and uh, and Megan's Marie. mom? <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't care. Whatever, you don't think whatever. Make it. If, uh, <laughs> I don't think Roger cares all that much either. <laughs> it's funny though, but he clearly has a soft spot for her. Well, I think that she and she for him, but I think they're both right. at an age where. They're they're both at an age and they've both had experiences that probably mean neither of them is like holding out for one true love yeah. for the rest of time, you know? Like just Marie just feels like if Roger were to like get caught with like a twenty three year old like model, she would just stab her with a knitting needle. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Don Don uh, implied as much. But the thing I wanted to call attention to to that scene, because you mentioned uh Roger's mustache 
was which like, must be mentioned every episode. I think. Yes, for sure. Uh, Don has just like classic kind of one drink too many flop sweat and his like droopy hair over the front of his face just like perfectly it, it, mirrored Roger's <laughs> droopy mustache and these two guys like you know just gone just, just like yeah like, just everything just kind of like pulling their faces down it when Don Draper gets drunk he just becomes John Hamm yes it's true yes like <laughs> that is accurate that is totally accurate yeah, his John Hamm hair shows up oh man you guys didn't mention it last last episode but there's the scene in Roger's office mm-hmm. where Roger tells Don to get a haircut Mm-hmm. And Don's hair is like a quarter, an eighth of an inch longer than normal. Uh-huh. It's just so subtly. I did not pick up on that. <laughs> it's just so subtly yeah. more hair. Mm-hmm. And they threw the line in. I'm like, and it just from a craft standpoint, yeah, made me think like, how do you fucking nail that? Yeah, like because it wasn't just like it's not like crazy. You know what you I know mean? That- Any other show, he would have hair that was an inch longer and it'd be all. Puffy. They might have also just combed it out a tiny yeah, bit Yeah, they might more. have just poofed it up. Oh, yeah. it looked perfect. They really, like... It could oh. be either. It could have also just happened on set. Yeah. It could have been a lot. You know, I, I, this probably is not the show for that, but... Yeah, I wonder if knows. that ever happens on the show. Yeah. I'm willing to bet that it doesn't, but... Yeah, me too. me too. That would be my assumption. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any major additional things to talk about this episode in itself. There was an interesting thing I stumbled on last night, just like on Twitter, in the wake of this episode, um, which was an account tweeting about... Uh, just the history of the time as it relates to this period. And I found a bunch of stuff about McCann, the, the actual agency um, that is, is interesting in the context of how McCann is portrayed in the, in this season, because you know, the, the most just like weirdly cartoonishly misogynist people that have ever been in this show overtly anyway, are from McCann. Um, Joan feels like, I I mean, I, seemingly accurately feels that she was completely passed over in the McCann meeting. Um, like the, sh- the overall voice of the show is definitely, I think suggesting that the women who uh, transition McCann are going to have to be on guard. Um, what's interesting though, actually in reality, not that the, not that that would not be, not that that was not the case, but McCann specifically um, was actually like weirdly a sort of like a, almost a haven for, women professionals and executives in this era like it's hmm. funny just not that it matters for the right. fiction just, of the show just, yeah, it's just but like out. yeah in 1949 McCann had four female VPs still a small number out of their the total size of the company which was large but yeah 1949 and then yeah. by by the time this stuff is happening they had by the by the time this era of Mad Men's happening um they had quite a few um and they were uh, some of whom were in really very senior roles and would often like represent the company on panel discussions at conferences and things like this. Um, and uh, it was just it was just you know an interesting like little tidbit of history that 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 organization was actually somewhat ahead of the curve compared to a lot of advertising firms. That stuff could still era. get lip service in the show or even show up as sure. a point. I mean, like yeah. that. I I doubt they'd use it, but it could that could be used for like you think you know like. The you're not actually a special magical progressive place compared to the rest of the world. You're just actually isolated. You know, I mean, right. I don't think that's what the show is about. But no. I, it's it's mm-hmm. a be- you could see a beat of Peggy's fears being mm-hmm. changed one way or the other by well, that. On, fact or on that note, you know? actually, one of the things I really liked about Peggy's about the meeting Peggy took with the career counselor, whoever he was, recruiter. agent, recruiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's true. Of course, he was a recruiter. Um, was I really really liked that in his 
warnings about like where she should or shouldn't go and what she should do. I like that there wasn't any suggestion that like you should hang on to this job because you're a woman and you're not going to be able to get another offer elsewhere without being grandfathered in. Like that was not at least to me was not suggested. Yeah, I like that. It feels like feel, it didn't feel like a tool to like make it yeah, to like have right. that be the statement there. I liked that the headhunter was just sort of like, no, I'm going to keep getting you jobs. And I'm going to make money off of you in the long term. Right. But for that, as a, well, he was like, now, you're hot you stuff gotta, actually, like, plant, like, right. you know, sow your seeds basically. Or so, like, well, sow your oats in this like yeah. big corporate place. And then you move it. But I liked that that was presented like for reasons that he would be suggesting it to anyone. Um, because it's it, it is I mean Jake to your point like I think that actually almost is a a little bit of what you're describing in terms of like look you I'm sure you've been having fun with all this stuff but like you got to actually go put in the time at like a big organization that's going to work with big clients and like you know this you can't just have this like goofy little like work at these little boutique places forever yeah like so you've got to like pay your dues I think, yeah part of, yeah part of what he's saying is you have to just jump in yeah. Well, I also if you, thought if you that scene was important want. in contrast to everything that was happening with Joan and getting sort of – he goes down the list and he mentions Buick and he mentions mm-hmm. uh, um, the pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. And, and Coca-Cola. Yeah. It says something to, to – there's, there's another one. Yeah, there's four. There's four. Yeah. Coca-Cola to Don and then um, uh, Joan gets nothing. And that was even – just the, the dread in Joan's eyes yeah. of just – because Joan was a sec. I mean, Joan, Joan was yeah. like the head of the secretary. Well, that was seated earlier too. When they're like, "We're gonna go and do our West Coast company." I got this. I got this. I got this. And Joan's like, "I've got Avon." And they're like, mm, "Avon's gonna have to stay." Yeah, you're gonna have to just yeah. be the bridge that holds the fort you down. See and she's her just like, being like, oh. "I have to start over," and my role and value is not defined the way Peggy's. She is. doesn't have the way that because she- Peggy Peggy went through is in the structure. She's in yeah. She's inside the bureaucracy, whereas Joan's value at the at the agency that. It, that was was institutional yeah she was like a, a sterling cooper and partners internal power whereas peggy just has like a ticket through her career yeah, she's got a portfolio yeah yeah yep and i liked the i thought it was really deft how they handled the difference of those two things um for the women in the show i thought that was really good mm-hmm. yeah i agree oh poor joan although man it really it's so nice i know it is <laughs> yeah. so nice. like, like, i really feel of all the people on the show Really, literally, of all characters on the show, at this point, given just like the way she has operated and like what she's gone through and the way that she's treated other people, she's the one who basically deserves more than anyone to just have this situation with this guy work out. And it was so like so um, um, such an incredible relief to you know when she calls the guy and he's like, "Well, I'll see you tomorrow." And she's like, "I didn't even know you were coming." And he's like, "Hey, what's your name? Get me on the red eye." Um, like it's just not. It's such, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I don't know. It's such. It almost. Yeah. It almost feels like fan service, just like giving Joan what she wants. But I'm so happy to get it. Well, and you I never. Also, it, it's madman, so you never know if that's gonna. Well, like, I mean, right. it's funny. Is what I think it, it does. He's California's first serial killer. Right. <laughs> oh God, it's the Zodiac <laughs> spinoff. Um, what I think he's it's the Zodiac. He's the Zodiac. Oh, that smooth talking L.A. man. Was, nobody can remember his name. Um, what I think it it does do though is. And I think this is actually, I think we're being a little folly and being like, oh, I really hope it works out with Joan, where it's like, oh, getting the man is the thing that'll make her happy. No, but she's been looking for like a a solid partner in her life. The show does a really good job of like, of just tying you in and emotionally investing you in that same like journey, like. I, you know, like we're, I'm a man, yeah. so I can't really imagine like I what it must feel like. I mean, I don't go, think like, you're giving gonna... me much credit to phrase what I said that way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I'm, I'm saying me. I she didn't say wants you, that. I said we. Like she, she wants it. 
and I want her to be happy. We want her to be happy, whether it's with that guy or whatever. Yeah, I don't care what, even what connection that guy or anything is. Just it feels like Joan has been looking for any solid human connection that she can have as a reliable person in her life who is not at work and who is not her mom. And that just has not existed despite her best attempts. So whatever this is. What I was going to say is that I think if it falls through with this guy, the show will have been incredibly effective at like tying me in emotionally with that level of disappointment for her. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? In a way that I don't think I would have been able to just get casually. You know what I mean? And just because for a lot of things be like her gender included, I think, um, I don't know. Like been, watching that meeting and watching her in the scenes with all the men is always like really, really fascinating and been like a really like great experience for me watching the show mm-hmm. in terms of thinking about the dynamics. I don't think I could have got that casually any other way. Pretty cool. I didn't mean to say that you were giving a short shrift. But you were. Let's be honest, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> not, I, man. <laughs> I, acknowledge that, I acknowledge that part of how I feel is like almost in a fan service way. Like, you know, I yeah. said that up front, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm just you're shipping to, like, Joan and uh, Captain Pike from the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. <laughs> well, it's really it's funny just to, like as a is fan, that that right? Is? Yeah, that guy. Oh. <laughs> you're a fan of the uh, UPN network launch uh, conspiracy thriller Nowhere Man starring that guy. <laughs> OK, I've never heard of that. <laughs> oh, I watched the shit out of that show. So I was really happy to see that he's done well for himself and is now dating Joan. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Read my Tumblr. I will not. I don't have one. I don't want to read that. Um, Sorry, what John? Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> what, what real like as a as fans, we want what's good for Joan. But it's just interesting that like, oh, I really hope it works out with that guy. Is like the same thing. Characters in the world of Mad Men who know Joan and know that oh, she's yeah, dating that course. guy would say, yeah, it's not a, the, like you know what I mean. Yeah, my desire has right. nothing to do with like the the dramatic eventuality of the show. Like what? Right. Like that's. I don't, I'm not conflating those two. I'm just, just saying emotionally in the moment, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so glad things are going well for Joan right now. Yeah. But yes, obviously, like this, this show of all shows is the one I think it makes the least sense to like prognosticate about and hope for a specific endpoint about because this is not what mm-hmm. this is not what this show is and never has been, I don't think. Um, so, I mean, we're so close to the end anyway. There's what three episodes left after this. Like it's meaningless. Yeah. It's meaningless to make predictions because it's like the road is so short, but, uh, but I'm, I'm just, I still can't not be glad for Joan's little moments of happiness. You'll be really sad when she dies next week. Look, that, guy's gonna die. that guy's going to die in a plane crash. Yeah. <laughs> they crash all are. A Piper cub into like the Beverly Hills golf course. <laughs> Ted Shaw will finally have his, uh, his Ted Shaw will pilot him into the ground <laughs> oh as his, God. I forgot that Ted's a pilot. Yeah. One of my they, like, favorite. All, like, almost suicidal one, <laughs> if you remember. I continue to find it hard to believe that the show is literally going to have a bunch of imagery of Don's furniture disappearing around him. After everyone gave everyone who predicted that the introduction would not become manifest in the show shit. This is this show is literally going to end with that stupid office empty. Office or his, his maybe apartment? His apartment's out. already empty, but oh, now yeah, they're yeah, being yeah. moved out of the Time Life building in another building, so... Mm-hmm. What what are the odds he does he he doesn't he doesn't go to McCann and just moves to California and like that's it out he goes opens a bar in Ventura Ventura Boulevard (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's not going to be happy doing that but he can welcome to try yeah well I think you can. He's I gonna think you can end that sentence of happy. He's gonna move back (laughs) into his uh, fair fair enough move back into his childhood home and just start carving little wooden figurines. 
He's not even going to renovate the house. <laughs> we have some mail from you, the readers. Uh, we do have some mail. Um, uh, so if you have any mail for us, you can write us at madmen at idlethumbs.net. And if it's any questions or observations or anything you want to say about the show, please share them with us. Hate yeah. mail for us or Mad Men. Or send us a note at, at Mad Men, at End of Mad Men on Twitter. Yes. Uh, so David Cowling writes, hello, Mad Thumbs. I'm curious if, if any of you have noticed Ooh. the varying editing styles of the show's current editors, Tom Wilson, Christopher Gay, and Chris Fiegler. I ask because after blasting through the past season and a half to catch up to y'all, I found myself being able to predict which editor has worked on each episode with surprising accuracy. My rule of thumb has been, if I noticed a single great cut throughout the episode, it's been attributed to Christopher Gay. If there are multiple fantastic cuts, it's Tom Wilson. Chris Fiegler doesn't ever really do it for me. (laughs) Um, I write simply to inspire discussion, but for my two cents, the most captivating episodes of Mad Men are edited by Tom Wilson. His magic seems to lie in between how he cuts between scenes. He never rushes, often allowing a full beat or more to pass after the scene's action is concluded. This beat seems especially pronounced in scenes editing with ending with a pensive or reflective dawn, after this week's scene with Sterling, for example. The breathing room affords him the luxury of being able to surprise with a punctual cut or two, such as this episode's closing cut, which compared to last week's meandering gape felt fairly tight but equally as cold. If you haven't noticed, try watching some of your favorite episodes on Netflix. Without ad breaks ruining the editor's pacing, how ironic. Each editor's style is much more pronounced and recognizable. Thanks for an awesome pod, David Cowling. Uh, P.S. I proofread this email in Chris's voice, so I'm fairly certain it's time to stop listening to you three times a week. Yeah, it's probably true. Um, that's a, that's a, a really good email. I definitely have not um, been paying attention to that. So uh, I'm glad that that someone else has been for us. I doubt it's the same guy, but I hope Mad Men editor Tom Wilson is the actor who played Biff Tannen in Back to the Future. Why is that the same name? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, are you guys, are you watching the show on AMC? On I am. So I'm actually seeing it with ad breaks now and it's weird. I'm watching on Amazon. Woke up this morning. How are they dealing? How are they dealing with the fucks on TV? Uh, yeah, there's unvarnished uh, was, fucks all over yeah, the place was, this season. Rich said last week they, they, they silenced it. You just got the f- and the k- yeah. I don't remember hearing any, but I noticed there was one this week too. Where was it? Um, Peggy said it. Um, when they uh, remember the mom who's just like, you know, yeah, yeah, what yeah, about yeah. your kids? When the girl right. staples her finger, God, right. the girl stapling her finger. Oh, mm-hmm. I loved it. No, that was a great. We yeah. didn't talk about that scene. Peggy but, sat yeah. down and just went like, "Who gives a fuck?" or something yeah. like that. It's yeah. like, whoa. But are they're not obviously those aren't on television. I don't think so. Yeah. You remember the, that? I remember yeah. the scene for That's sure. I Jake. just don't remember if she like yeah. literally was allowed to exclaim that word. But I, yeah. the whole scene was great. On Amazon, they're it's, they're just there. They're, they're present. There. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, okay, this is a, okay, I want to get back to this editing thing, but really quickly, do you guys? Again, I haven't watched tel- like live television recently. Do they just compress the shit out of the audio where like dead moments are pumped up in volume? And like I, I'm watching the show. On we were watching the live stream on AMC's website too, right? Yeah. So who so knows that, how, like, how molested that it is? It just sounds bad. It just sounds so bad compared to watching the just like video, I don't know. The, I have the HD video you get on Amazon. I have cable because I it came with my internet package, but I just have like the pay basically nothing for SD, so I don't even watch the TV that oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I could not tell you. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was I weird. never trust like the streaming from a from a network well, it's funny with it's, the it's ads in H- who knows it's in hd but it's just the sound is bad but anyway it doesn't matter for the purpose of this um one thing i do find interesting about the editing style of the show is how frequently we'll get not a beat but like a fraction of a beat between individual lines characters are giving to each other like that that is i think to me the most distinctive component of this show's editing style where characters will deliver a direct rejoinder 
to something another character said, but there will be just a little bit more air between it than you would get in like any other television show, which especially in a modern television show where so much of the style is like snappy, quick, you know, retorts. Um, and that is not how this show is edited, even if it's how it's written sometimes. I find that really interesting. And I never quite know what to make of it. It's it's like there's, you know, we, we've talked about the sort of dreamlike quality of of moments on this show before. And that that is, I think, one of the things that lends the show almost for the duration of its run, this like tiny little, this like thin veneer of, of artifice or theatricality that makes it just feel different to how other shows feel. It's also the through line between this show and our other podcast show, Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, less consistently applied in that show. Only as the good episodes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was cool. That was a really cool uh, email. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep keep an eye out for that, I, I guess, know. in the three remaining episodes. Right. But the next time I watch <laughs> the show, I guess that's the thing that's in my brain now. Yeah. Um, Glenn White writes, Hi, Thumbs. Mathis is quipped to Don. You don't have any character. You're just handsome. Stop kidding yourself. Reminded me of John Hamm's semi-regular appearance on the show 30 Rock. Oh, the bubble. Yep. His character lives in a bubble in which everything in life is easy for him because of his good looks. People let him cut lines, tell him he's great at tennis even though he sucks, and Calvin Klein bumps into him on the street and asks him to be an underwear model. He has no character. He's just handsome. John Hamm has also recently appeared in another TV show in which his good looks help him sway a jury. I think it is interesting that each of these roles is about the perks of being good-looking, but it's also a commentary on the drawbacks, which is not something most TV shows full of good-looking people bother to mention or attempt to address. Here's to more handsome ham rolls in which someone points out he's really good looking and for that to be his ultimate downfall. It can at least make us normal looking people feel a bit better. Uh, Glenn. Handsome ham roll is also a gross catered <laughs> snack. <laughs> it's like on a, on a U.S. Airways flight. Yeah. Of the handsome ham roll. Handsome ham roll. Oh, the ham rolls? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry that I used the whole name. I didn't, I didn't know if I, <laughs> I was supposed to. I don't know why to. I said that right, brand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the, the thing I, I, I like about that email a lot is pointing out that most TV shows never address this, which is significant because TV shows only have good, looking only even more so than films. I think <laughs> yeah. like only feature good looking people. Right. Films will at least have interesting looking people in them instead right. of good looking people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Television. Definitely. That is like a selection criteria. Um, and, and Yeah. That. it's still there's still a lot of good looking people on the show who aren't john ham but he is he is very sort of classically good looking i suppose also the more like you can cast a regular person regular looking ish interesting yeah. person in a tv show but then if the tv show gets successful mm -hmm. it means that they become more and more and more famous for like a longer period of time as opposed to just oh, popping yeah. up in a movie uh -huh. and they have to keep looking the same way so <laughs> right, you know because if they're in a, well, they're in a continuous role their so look they also starts like optimizing when they yeah, get so they start optimizing people like get like famous hot you know what i mean right. it's like mm -hmm. the longer i've been on television right. the more famous <laughs> like, and like i got a trainer now but i can't change myself looking too much differently right so i'm just like you get homogenized into well, yeah, your face kind machine. of stays the same but like your sort of flab or weird misshapenness tones out yeah. So then you're suddenly on a magazine with half your clothes off, but you're still the weird guy. That ha right. that does yeah, actually happen that, with that TV characters. Yeah. Chris Pratt. Chris yeah. Pratt. Well, that was he because he, moved, he went yeah. the extreme direction of going from schlub guy to superhero. Yeah. Movie, like, if you look at like the cast that was just of one Seinfeld. casting director's decision that completely changed that guy's entire career. Right. Yep. Yeah. But even like the cast of Seinfeld, by the end of that show, when they're all in like their like mid forties, it's like 
even all the weird people look pretty attractive. <laughs> like they've really sort of like you can see mm-hmm. they've just sort of like I'm rich and famous now. Right. Yeah. So even though I'm pretending to be like right. your kooky neighbor, everyone's <laughs> waists are a little bit smaller, even if they're stylistically kind of big. Everyone's arms are a little bit beefier, but not because right. you're fat, but it's because you've seen a trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the funny things about watching this on on television live was that they had it um, live. <laughs> they had uh, commercials in that were for some like behind the scenes thing or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. Cause I, Oh, they do those like, yeah. Co- yeah and they rats. showed the cast and it was so crazy. It really reminds you how much of looking period or like casting period. It's not so much about like whether you have a period face so much as can it be made into one because you had all of these, like John Hamm and Elizabeth Moss and, um, uh, Vincent Anderson. Carthizer, like most notably. Um, so John Hamm and Vincent Carthizer both have just like full beards. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Moth looks totally different just the way that she's made up in the show versus in life. Uh, and it was crazy going from like Mad Men, all looking like perfect early 70s people, to them looking like now people. But right back to the well, show. It's a crazy. The example of this that is the most close to home for us, I think, is that. We're making a video game, and Rich Summer, who plays Harry Crane, is a voice of a character oh, in our game. True. And mm-hmm. he, I've, true. I've, Sean, you've directed him in voice sessions over the phone more more often than not. But yeah, like, four or five, yeah. I've, I've only ever seen him in Mad Men. But then he came to a press event for our game, and in Mad Men, he's sort of like hunched over, wears a suit that's a little bit too big. You think of him as kind of like the pudgy, he's the pudgy he's, creeper now, right? But he's when like you see him the, in real life, it's like you are a football player. He's yeah. just like a like. He's just a big fit dude. He's strapping yeah. and handsome. Yep. Yeah. And and you're like, wait, you're not. Oh, okay. Oh, you're an actor. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were <laughs> yeah. just like this pudgy guy from TV, but no, I never mind. In room and you're like, there's a famous good looking person. Yeah. Instantly. <laughs> so speaking, speaking of him, uh, he had basically one moment in this episode, which was to hilariously like tr- just berate everyone from afar. Point, yeah, impotently. Just like, scream into a phone <laughs> so a child could watch. <laughs> yeah. That was oh no! Scene. Two moments. Oh, two I was moments. thinking of him going. This is a good thing, you guys. Oh, Can't God. you see it? That was so good. This is a good thing yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. he's so happy to have new bosses. He is so happy oh, yeah. to just go to a new company where he work, can make place... more money and just be like, oh. Where he's okay. like, can we just burn this computer down and get one the size right. of this whole other office so I can we'll just also be have the Lord a department that consists yeah. of more than just him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. Everything's coming up, Crane. He's really the one who's excited about this. Yeah, because what he did no stake in this. He got he got bilked out of the partner deal. What difference yeah. does it make to him? This yeah. is really he is in terms of the absorption. Harry Crane is that's doing the best. I hadn't yeah. thought about this until this episode because um, sorry, I just keep talking about the show. But Peggy and Stan <laughs> on this show, podcast yeah, about P- Peggy the show. and Stan kind of get closer as characters together for the first time in at least a while. Where it's like, oh. Like, they've always felt to me like two characters who actually have way more in common than they allow themselves to have. So to see them make connections this mm-hmm, episode mm-hmm. was nice on sort of that front. But also it reminded me, man, did Harry Crane fucking win in Sterling Cooper and Partners? Because when you think about the office life of that company before the creative bullpen got turned into the computer, the dynamic inside of that office was just totally different. And now Peggy and Stan are the only characters left from that entire part of the show. They don't have like, that like artist room, the mentality. bustling just yeah, yeah, house yeah. of weird bohemian uh-huh. artists that yeah. were running an ad agency. Those guys are the only holdout from that culture, except Don, I guess, kind of because no, but Don's totally like almost he's a halfway checked out, right? But it, but it, it, at this point. yeah, he can he relates on that level when yeah, he, yeah, yeah. occasionally, but really, it's like this is a business, business, business at this point mm-hmm. right. in yeah. a way that it was when, not when a long Stan time. And, when Stan and Peggy yeah. have those moments, they have them in an office, not in the kitchen, yeah. Like, 
Like they just have their little table. like their two rooms are the only ones that have that same feel that the whole office used to yeah, have. Even even actually, you know, it was a really nice thing to even take that further when they share a moment that's just hanging out on the phone together, not even talking. Right. You know, they're in different. They're even in different rooms. Right. But they, but they have the like, tiny little line connecting yeah. their little their yep. bubble. That's what's mm-hmm. left of that of that yep. part of the, of that sort of piece of the heart of yeah. the company. To what you're saying about them having more in common than they think they do, I feel like they their dynamic for so long has been. I feel like I'm supposed to be annoyed at you or find you like, you know, uh, Stan, such a fucking bro ass bro in some ways. And like Stan loves seeing Peggy as this sort of just like aloof, easily irritated, like buttoned up woman boss. Right. Basically. But they're both like yeah. totally relate to each other on pretty much the same level about a lot of things. Yeah. And I, I mean, it might just be because they're the only two left, but they are kind of being required but, but even to before run into that each was other. The case, they always had more direct communication oh, I, with each I other. I mean, than... I mean now like it's just, they, they're the only ones left mm-hmm. that oh, have no, any absolutely. ability to connect with each other. Totally. Cause everyone else yeah. has been fired or cut his nipple off or whatever else. <laughs> Yeah. What a weird exit for that guy. I know. <laughs> the show's done that a few times. And oh, it, yeah. it earns them. You're just sort of like, oh, I'll forgive you that, but what? Like Sal, you mean, for example, just unceremoniously dismissed. Well, like, like a foot in a lawnmower and like an oh. eye patch and cutting off a nipple. There have been some weird, weird human mutilations yeah. that oh, just I come out of meant, nowhere. I thought you meant the, like, the sudden dismissal of No, the like the writers go yeah, to the yeah. okay, wall I see, I see of what like, you mean. Yeah. here's the wall of weird anecdotes we've been told by old ad people. <laughs> right. Let's pluck off the nipple one. <laughs> from, right. Know, or like, or they're like, he's going to cut off his nipple. What? And then they're like, well, these three other things happened that are real and are just as insane. Right. But at this point now, Sterling Cooper over the seven seasons has had a lot of them. Right. Yeah. And I think the show, what an amazing job the show's done at replicating that sort of like, like bonkers history inside hours and hours of just regular life. Yeah. yeah. It mirrors that so well. Like, yep, yep, for sure. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now you can be like, oh, the Christmas party where that lawnmower happened. You know? Right. It really feels like mm-hmm. that Christmas party a yeah. decade yeah. ago, yep. which yep, is an amazing sure. thing for a show to pull mm-hmm. off in whatever. Yeah. 90, it's sort of, 90 it's, hours of TV. It's it's part of a legend at that point. You know, right. it's a thing that like a few people who are still there were there for it. It was mm-hmm. effectively every, two companies ago now. Right. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny that McCann... Uh, they they successfully like evaded McCann. Man, Lane Price, by the way, who directed this episode, was the one who orchestrated the original um, evasion of McCann. Was it McCann that was buying them the first time? I thought it was some British company that wasn't McCann. I don't remember who that. Maybe it was just them. I thought, uh, I thought it was McCann. I could I, be wrong. I, don't, I totally don't remember. Oh, maybe that parallel is not as as they've, they've evaded large the, the large sort of corporate yeah, yeah, yeah. encroachment in general, but. Mm-hmm. There's no way in the 70s that you're going to dodge that. Oh, we yeah, get three sure. more? Is that what we get? Yep. Three more, yep. Oh, man, I'm excited. I know. Oh, gosh. This episode sets up, like, I think a much clearer promise than the... Than the uh, not in terms of what's going to happen, but just, like, yep. the... Because... Uh, the trajectory is set. Yeah, yeah. because because we've, we've mentioned in past episodes that it's plausible, not that we expected this necessarily, it's totally plausible that a show like this that has run the way this show has run could end on less of a... Um, kind of narrative like, I, end point. I think this happens every season, though. I think every and this this is where because the season's been split in half. But like I know, Sean, you and I have been like friends or housemates or whatever, probably since the beginning of season five, or, or maybe or late season four. But I I just I remember almost every time these start, you get a few episodes in, and it's just like I'm not I'm just not quite as into Mad Men this season, or like I say that, or our friend Adam would say it. It's just like it just I don't even know like because you end on such a high crazy note when everything comes to a head at the end of the previous year, mm. and then it's just like 
it just Stuff, sort of stuff's it, happening now. Sort of yeah. trajectorylessly. Wow, that's the, not a word. Um, without trajectory, without trajectory <laughs> just lays a bunch of groundwork in these people's lives. And like this episode, had the season opened with this episode, it would be fine. You'd be kind of hyped up for it, but it would not be as potent if you hadn't seen mm-hmm. Dawn go through all the stuff with. With, well, like, Betty and Sally last episode, yeah. and if you hadn't seen Peggy and Joan well, first you, you encounter also, McCann and then sort of split and come back together with their with what's mm-hmm. going on in their lives, you know? You also need it in this show because this show generally skips a lot of time between seasons. Yeah. It doesn't do the thing a lot of modern shows do, which is end a season on a cliffhanger of, like, a climactic moment. Right. Which the then you immediately... Into the, into the canyon. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, like, th- this show tends to reestablish its era, introduce some changes to the dress code, like, you know, suggest some big life changes to people that you right. have to slowly pick up on over the course of the season. It doesn't open with Bert. Or you instantly know, but yeah. yeah. And I, always, I think that's so, it's a really smart way to make a show. Yeah. It's so smart to use that that time that the, the mm-hmm. audience stayed away from the show, or was forced to stay away from the show, to grow. Just move the pieces around and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like well, free develop. It's like, it's like, you don't have to pay for it on screen. Also, yeah, it, really it, it being a period show, you can lean on the sort of just like, ambient knowledge of the era mm-hmm. to kind of fill in right right and know, people will gaps. know that because stan's cravat is bigger because he's wearing a way more sassy kerchief we're now a little farther into the <laughs> 70s you can guess the time jump yeah by how much hair and kerchief right. is on is on stan yeah glenn was the ultimate of that oh that's yeah. true yeah that this guy came of age during this era <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway you glenn's, guys wanna... kid, glenn's kid is posting his picture on reddit yeah you guys want to wrap this up yeah Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks thanks for tuning in. Our website is endofmadmen.com. You can find all of the links to our, our various presences on the web there. And if you like the show, uh, I mean, we're, we're obviously winding it up in the next few weeks. But if you do like this and you have you know people who are, who are following the show along, uh, we would be happy to do so with them if you want to give a recommendation. Yeah, get your friends in for the final three Mad Men. Yeah, the final three End of Mad Men's. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And again, our email address is madmen at idlethumbs.net. Thanks. We will talk to you next week.